Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. My husband, he was emotionally abusive and he could manipulate me extremely well to the point that he made me believe that I was actually abusing him, that I was the abuser. And I, I really believed. So later on, my mother said, well, it's good that you're fighting for your marriage because yeah, maybe you were abusing him. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, 
please seek a helpline in your city. beautiful friend if you suffer from anxiety and are sick of all the ways it's taking over your life please take a look at panic away for over 10 years now panic away has been showing people how to break anxious patterns and get their old carefree self back the person they were before anxiety ruled their life panic away shows you how to break the anxiety loop and it gives your nervous system a chance to relax. It's totally drug-free and highly successful, and it helps people with all levels of anxiety. Panic Away comes with a full money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's time to take back control of your life, your happiness, and your freedom. A life free of anxiety is like living an entirely different life. Click the link in the show notes for access to Panic Away. Hello, my beautiful friends. This week on the Heal blog, we are talking about people-pleasing as a trauma response. If you grew up in a home where you learnt that being pleasing to your parent kept you safe, You will have taken on that behavior and it will have served you well. But continuing to be a people pleaser as an adult really doesn't serve you. If you or someone you know is putting yourself last, please check out this blog post to find out what are the signs that you are a people pleaser. Link to this blog is in the show notes. What happens when as a fully grown adult, Your mother gets upset about something you supposedly said and all of a sudden you see your entire life in a new light. All the years of trauma and abuse that you've blocked out come flooding back and your life changes in that moment. Suddenly you recall a thousand times that your mother behaved in the same way, the times she didn't listen, the abuse you told her about and that she ignored. The manipulation, the gaslighting, everything becomes so clear and you just can't be near her. You can't see her. You're done. And all because in that moment, when you were ready to apologize as you always have for something unclear once again, you saw the manipulation and you finally realized something needed to change. This is Natalia's story. Natalia, welcome to the How My Parents Raised Me podcast. Your story, I believe, is filled with so much trauma and yet you have only really recently connected in with what you went through growing up because we can go for a lifetime not acknowledging or seeing our trauma and burying that trauma. What has happened recently that has put you on this path to looking at your past? I I took my mom on a vacation because my husband is traveling a lot for his job. I took her on vacation. I thought it would be fun to spend a few days together. So we went, we took her to Miami and most of the days were fine. Although she is not easy person to travel with. 
most of the days I could manage her. But the last evening that we were there, she she just really, she did something that I didn't expect that mother can can do it. It was it was very strange because I've been with her on vacation a few times and she always has a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration with everyone and everybody and everything around her. But because she has hard time to be in public, she always thinks everyone is watching her, everyone is looking at her and judging her. We went to, we went to the restaurant and when we came back home, me and my husband went for a swim in the swimming pool. And after a few hours, we came back and I don't remember saying that, but I said, hey, mom, did you eat something or did you have a snack or something like this? And she didn't answer. So next morning, we getting ready for the plane to go to the airport and she's not talking to me. So I asked her, so what happened? Why are you not talking to me? Something wrong. And she said, I can't believe that you asked me if I ate something. And I knew it had to do with her anxiety to go to the restaurant and eat in public. And I just couldn't believe that, that she accused me of that, that she asked me something like that, that, that she just came up with this. So I stopped talking to her and I started to think. And because it was a long day, she has this thing. She starts to cry really fast. And what I notice, it's always for attention mostly. It's usually to come to her and ask her, hey, mom, are you okay? Are you fine? And it's been like that for years. So she started to cry in the car. She, sta she, started, she was crying the whole way in the, uh, the airport and her, her flight back home. And I didn't understand where this came from because it, it was almost like, a, like an attack on me that I did something purposely to, to instigate this. And I, and I know I didn't, it wasn't my intention. It was just her insecurities that just came out. And I, when we arrived home, I just didn't talk to her for one month. I just couldn't. I started to think and what was strange about it, I, I started to feel physically sick. I got rash all over my legs. It was that stress rash. So for all those three weeks, I, I couldn't talk to her. I, I was just thinking about my whole life and that every time something happens, I, I always end up going, apologizing, making first call, making first attempt to, to get back and talk again. But this, this time I didn't. And she eventually, after a few weeks, she sent me a message that she's missing me. And I answered that I can't believe that you don't see 
my pain in anything through our whole life. You don't see me suffering. And she just didn't know what to say. She, most of the time, she <laughs> turns around all the attention on herself. How hard it is for her, how, how difficult, how everyone is against her. And I just had no energy anymore to talk to somebody like that. And since last summer, I see her maybe once a month and I barely call because it's just hard for me. I, I can't have conversation with her. Yeah. It's all of the past comes up and you just need your space, don't you? Because yes. you, you start to sort of realize, and I think a lot of us have this experience when you actually do have that realization that what happened to me as a child and what has continued to happen in relationship with parents over many years, it's it's this realization how much it has impacted my whole life and we just need space. I mean, sometimes you can come back, but there's some healing to get through first. Let's let's just go back to when you were a child because your parents were very young when they got married and you were their firstborn child. What were your mum and dad like as parents? What do you remember? I I have very good recollection of my childhood. Many people don't remember, but I do remember. I kind of see everything like whole series of snapshots. But I remember the most important things that probably were important. And going back to my parents, they met in university. They were both, both of them studied theology and they met there. And even when they were going to, to school, and they were dating, they already had a lot of problems in the relationship. And my mother didn't want to marry my father. That's what she claims. I don't know if I believe her because it seems like with my mom, nothing ever is her fault. Nothing ever happened. Everything that happened, it was because of somebody else. Mm -hmm. She's, she said she didn't want to married my father she said she she married him because he came and he said if she doesn't marry him he's going to kill himself which is very strange to me to start marriage like this but yes. they 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 got married mm. and and then you came along fairly quickly after that Yes, I was born nine months after exactly, and they were they had a small parish, and that's where I grew up until I was four or five, maybe. And even back then, I rem I remember them fighting. At this young age, I remember them my father dumping whole pot of soup to the sink. Just little things that I later on connected knowing the way my father is, that it wasn't positive. <laughs> yeah. And 
I think they were always fighting. They were always physically fighting from the beginning. I just don't recall so much when I was much smaller. Yeah. Yeah. So your your dad was actually a priest, right? Yeah. And, you know, he's obviously responsible for running a, a parish of people. That's um, right. I know that you've talked about both of your parents being quite emotionally immature and you felt as you were growing older that you were almost taking on a, a parenting role with your parents. Did you feel a lot of responsibility for them? Yes. From the time I was, I was pretty small, I remember when they had a lot of people over all the time and they had parties, they had a lot of people over and next day the house was a mess. So I was, before they got up, I was already washing the dishes, cleaning, and I would clean up after everyone while they were still sleeping. And I had, I had younger brother and sister and they both, I, I took care of both of them, especially my youngest brother. Sometimes when he was maybe three years old and then I would be nine, he would wander off somewhere and I would be looking for him. And, and that was, that was kind of disturbing for me because I was worried more where he was than, than my uh, mom or dad or, or anybody else around. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? And you would have been presenting to the world. If your dad is a, is a priest, you're presenting to the world as a good family, you know, and we have it all together, which is, you know, the same for so many families your yes. dad's like a leader within the community. But when you were eight years old, you said that that things at home escalated. Yes. One time, which I didn't realize it was happening a lot, but when my father was drinking, he was he became extremely violent, loud. He would follow people he would almost look for a fight and that was with my mother most of the time and because they they didn't care how loud they were basically you would wake up my brother and sister wouldn't but I was at the age that that kind of noise would wake me up and they were chasing each other around the house with things and punching each other and throwing objects and breaking things. And there was, there was a time that, that they were fighting and my father literally, he broke the window with his head. With his head? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. He broke the window and... There was a lot of blood around and glass. So that particular fight, I remember going to school next day and just thinking about it all the time. So I sat at the desk and I couldn't, I couldn't move. 
I, I was I was paralyzed with fear and what I what I seen previous night that I couldn't eat, I couldn't go to the bathroom, I couldn't do anything. I was just sitting through entire five, six hours at school. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That's your that's your nervous system response. It's putting you into this freeze state and you're just saying, I'm not going to move. I, I'm too scared. I need to keep myself safe. And yeah, what a, a terrifying, <laughs> it's a, such a terrifying place for a child to be in a home with domestic violence like that. And and how did your mum deal with this? I mean, how would she cope during these episodes she was she could she didn't call very well there was time I, I was begging her to just let's go somewhere let's go leave somewhere but it, it was strange because they would fight and then next day he would bring flowers and things were fine mm. and you knew another thing will happen in a couple of days or a week and it's going to be like that always until yeah. they stop being together yes it gets to be such a cycle and you must have felt quite helpless in that situation because your mum is I mean it looks sounds as if they're both being equally violent but I I would assume yes. being the woman that your mother was probably coming out of it worse I mean it's very hard as a child because you're very powerless in that situation yes and now that I think my mother she she did a lot of hitting too now that I think I think she was controlling us more and she was calling us to to help her cope with it she was controlling us more by, by calling us than than really being scared of my father. I don't think she was that scared. Yeah. I think many times she actually would initiate the fight. Many times she was she was aggressive. She would hit him first and then it would start. She didn't try to move away or go away somewhere. She was there. Yes. That's interesting, isn't it? So that is actually quite manipulative. So she's starting the fight and then she's calling out to you for help. Yes. And that is, that's a very difficult situation for a little girl to be in, isn't it? To hear her mother calling for help and, and what can you do as a little, a little girl? I mean, there's not much you can do at all. There is not much except I end up watching and with Yes, my my other siblings, they were also the witnesses of mm. that behavior and on that violence. And it, it's strange because yesterday I saw my mother and she said it wasn't that bad. Some people had worse. Mm. And I said to her, how, how much worse do they have? Do they die? Do they, how much worse? And she just couldn't answer. According to her, it wasn't that bad. Nothing yeah. not, nothing was bad, actually, which is, <laughs> I find it amazing 
how yeah well I guess there's a lot of denial and and sometimes a parent doesn't want to have to take any responsibility and often it is that thing of oh well I had it worse than you so long as I've reduced it a slight amount then I'm doing well I'm not sure about your mum but it sounds as if your dad particularly was quite traumatized himself having that sort of level of anger and the drinking do you know much of your own father's childhood yes because it was after the war he he was born in 1952 he was the youngest and my grandmother his mother was she was a very simple woman she was a farmer and she's seen war she's seen the uh, a lot of tragedies with people she had Jewish neighbors that left there there was a lot of stuff going on Mm. and he has older sister and she had extremely traumatic childbirth when she got pregnant with my father she was telling us I don't know I don't know why I I think because she was so simple and so uneducated, she didn't think much of it. She was saying that when she was pregnant, she tried, she tried to suffocate him. She was just scared to, to give birth to him and he knew about it. So I think there was, there was something with this. There, there was, she, when he was born, everything was fine. He wasn't treated bad, but I think he probably heard that story many times if mm. we did. Yeah. So maybe that was the reason. Mm. And I think any mother that's actually telling that story over and over, you've got to kind of wonder what else was going on. Like it's not a very stable kind of environment, is it? Yeah. Um, you mentioned that some of this violent anger that was on display by your your dad was actually in front of other people what was what were people's reactions when they were witnessing this sort of behavior it depends depends on the people that were there some people would leave there was this one situation i was already much older where they had two other couples sitting and they were, you know, they had a little lunch and my father was drinking too much. And I don't know, they started arguing with my mother in front of those people. And he was, they were pretty much drinking vodka shots and he literally threw in my mother's face one of those shots. Wow. So that was, and people just looked and I remember this one lady saying, I I think we have to go. And I was thinking, oh my God, please don't go because now it's going to start. It's going to be even worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, And you're just already ready for what's coming next and that's the thing isn't it as a child in that situation your nervous system is on high alert 24 7 just not knowing what is going to happen next and that's you know that's the trauma in itself 
I know that at some point when you were only eight or nine years of age, your father hired a choir conductor. That's right. used to come and stay at your home some days of the week. Yes. It Mm. was usually Saturday night he would come Mm -hmm. and do his job on Sunday and he would leave and come week after that. So, yes, he was staying with us for this one night and at some point he was coming to my room and started sexually abusing me Mm. I don't know how many times he did before the first time I realized that but I remember very clearly the time it happened first time and I didn't know what it was what was going on I couldn't put a face to the person that was doing this to me and it it was very hard because back then I had to be probably eight or nine maybe because I remember I would still share one bed with my sister and she was literally lying next to me when this was happening and that was the first time that this happened yeah my gosh and when you say I didn't know who this person was I mean that is absolutely terrifying and I'm assuming in each situation that you've spoken about you do go into sort of a a freeze response because you know, we, we can have different responses to this sort of thing, but is that what you think was happening in those moments because you're, you, you just have to switch off to it? Yes. I, my, my reaction to it, to it was just wait and until it's done and then I will be fine after that. Yeah. And the, this was going on for quite a long time and even at some point I I put a lock on the door myself one of those locks that you can screw in and so nobody can come in and my parents didn't ask me about that nobody nobody asked why would you put lock on your door I just put so I can hear when when somebody's opening the door so I can wake up. Yeah. Did that stop the abuse? No, it, it didn't. It stopped when I actually taught, taught him that I'm going to tell on him. And when I said this, he said that he's not going to be coming anymore to my father's church. And for, I think, a long time, the only reason he was coming, because he wasn't, he, he, it was retired man, he was older, and he was coming for very little money. But I think that's why he was coming, because he could do this. I don't think there was any other reason for it. My goodness. 
Oh, it's so much, isn't it? And I, I'm just sitting here feeling so sick for that tiny little girl and what she went through. And oh, it's just the silence, isn't it, that we have as children. I mean, did you ever feel like you could speak up before you got to that point? Would you have been able to say something to your mother or father? There was, there was one time I wanted to say something, but I didn't. I don't know why. I, I didn't. Mm. For a very long time, I didn't. Actually, they found out when I was in my very late 20s about it. Your parents? Yes. It seems like there was, there was two people in me. One when I was a child and one now. And I don't know why, but I can't right now put those two people together into one person. It's like, it felt like it wasn't me. It felt like I was watching everything from the distance and I was there, but I wasn't. Yeah. Well, it's dissociation, isn't it? It's your, it's your way to survive and you have to take yourself away from what's happening. And it's absolutely heartbreaking. And I'm so deeply sorry that this is what you went through as a a little girl. You said that your mum and dad found out about it. What did they say when they found out? They found out it was when when I got married first time, my husband, he was very, he was emotionally abusive and he could manipulate me extremely well to the point that he made me believe that I was actually abusing him, that I was the abuser. And I, I really believed, I, I really wanted to have nice relationship. I wanted to be, I, I didn't want anything like my parents had. So when I, when I met him, I said, yes, that would be great. I'm not going to be like my parents. So I never called him a name. I never, uh, I tried, I really tried because I seen what was happening. And he was the first one who was calling me names and And I also found out that he picked me for a reason. So there was this time when he left me because he had a girlfriend, I would say. And my daughter was only two years old. And I really broke down. So my parents came over and I said, I'm such a bad wife. It's all my fault that he's doing this. It's... It's probably because I was abused when I was a child and I told them what happened and they were shocked. I would say they were shocked. I don't think they, they thought about it. So later on, my mother said, well, it's good that you're fighting for your marriage because yeah, maybe you were abusing him. So maybe it was your fault because what, what happened to you when you were a kid and when 
right now. So I don't think she saw me as a victim. I, I, I don't think so. Oh my gosh. So we never talk about it after until last year when everything came back to me after that trip to Miami. And that was, that was, that was hard because every time I was talking to her about it, it was always, I didn't know about it. She would cry, but I know she wasn't crying for me. She was crying for herself. I knew that that mm-hmm. she was crying for herself she was literally thinking that i think you blaming me for it she just turned herself into a victim not not me i i kind of disappeared and all of a sudden it was about her mm-hmm. that she tried to be a good mother and now children tell her she was such a bad mother and i didn't say you were bad mother i said that you had busy life and you had different priorities because we're not neglected when it came to food or clothes or I would say we're privileged because we had everything compared to my friends from school and around. We had more as kids. We had, we had more money. We had a nice car. We had nice clothes. Everyone was jealous of my life Mm. because my father was a priest and nobody knew really what was going on, how inside the house, how hard it is to live there and things that you have really didn't matter, Mm. but it did make me feel better. Because of all the stuff that was happening to me, at least one thing was better. Mm. We were talking about sexual abuse I went through and she was, she was saying, but, but, but your sister was sleeping next to you. She couldn't say anything. And I said, there's three years difference in between us. How, How would you say, why would you say this? What kind of child that three or four year old would even understand? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what sometimes what's surprising about my mother, that sometimes she says things that don't make sense. It's, it's like she has, she has no empathy. She's the only one that can be hurt. Yes. Nobody else. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I know your family moved from Europe to Canada at, at some point. What, yes. what, age, what age were you when this decision for a fresh start, did it lead you to a better life with your family? My father, he got offered to have a parish in Canada. And he was extremely impulsive person. We would be sitting at home and all of a sudden he would say, do you want to go to the mountains? Yeah, it's 10 o'clock at night and we'll start driving to the mountains. But we're seven hours away. So he was very impulsive. And I think coming to Canada, it was an impulse. But mm-hmm. it was their goal working through a couple of years. So they had an extremely busy lifestyle in Poland, a lot of friends. And they moved to Canada and there is no one, just us. And we can't sit around one table. I'm 17 years old and my sister is 14. And my brother, he's 11 or 10. And we can't talk to each other. We can't, we don't know how to. And from that moment, it just went downhill because he didn't, they didn't care that it was them who decided to move. All of a sudden it was our fault that we're here. Not my mom's, not not his fault, just our fault, the children, because apparently he moved for us to Canada. Wow. And... I know he didn't move for us. I know he didn't because they didn't do anything. They just did for themselves most of the things. So now we're the one that take everything, what they don't like about it. And we don't have friends either. We just by ourselves. We don't, we don't have friends. We don't speak English. We don't know much. And we stuck with our parents who blame us for it. And it was always like that. It didn't change much for all those years here. It didn't change much because I don't know. They, it was much harder to make friends. We were up north. So there was not many immigrants there. There was not many, just basically regular people, English speaking Canadians and maybe a couple Asian people. Mm. So they don't have anyone and we don't have anyone either to go into school, start to learn English. And my father, he never bothered to learn English. He didn't care. My mom, she did. She even found a job. But it was very hard because we really started to parent my parents at that point because they couldn't do anything without without us yeah my goodness it's like you've got this very volatile family in their own environment and then you you all move to a place where you're making it massively harder for yourselves because you don't speak the language you know everything is so new and 
nobody in the family is really getting along it must have just been no. like a must have just been like a nightmare and then also you've got your parents blaming you for everything or for being there and how did this affect your dad at, at this point because was he still a priest was he working yes yes he was a priest he was working at 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 some point he started to drink in secret a lot of times he kind of did his own things and when I turned 19 I met my ex my my ex-husband and it was I just wanted to move I just wanted to go away and I don't know I didn't even like him that much but for some reason he the, the way he was talking to me it felt like I was important. Mm. Like, and later on, uh, I discovered he was the biggest narcissist I could meet. And because I, on the beginning, I could make him feel better. He felt like such a big person because I come here from somewhere else and he can help me. He can be this person that takes me around and I'm so important all of a sudden. And I think we met in at the end of August. By November, I moved in with him after one of the fights with my parents, with my mother. Mm. I don't even remember the fight, but uh, yes. Yeah. And it's like jumping from the frying pan into the fire, isn't it? Because you're so desperate to get away from that situation. You've got quite a manipulative mother there and this would feel quite familiar I think to you this person yes. and that's what happens to so many people when they've got that sort of manipulative parent they are so comfortable with that within their nervous system that they they move on to exactly the same situation with their their first partner and yeah it's it's just so hard to think of it isn't it that you have an opportunity to escape but you end up back in another similar situation how long did that marriage last for we're together for 16 years that yeah. was a long time eventually he left but one time he left me then he came back then second time he left and there was it, it was really hard it felt like I don't know it felt like I was addicted to him I didn't like him I didn't want him but I didn't want him to leave mm. I, I just couldn't put those things together how come I have such a hard time and he was rejecting me he was extremely bad he was of course he met women at work and he was leaving and there was there was this one point when he actually <laughs> we went for easter mass in the evening it was saturday evening and i thought oh my god he now now he's better he's changing he's going to now he's going to come back home and things will be fun because why would he take me to church? Why would we go to church together? 
And we came home and maybe hour after that, he took the car and he just disappeared for whole night to be with his girlfriend. Wow. And many evenings like that, he actually made me believe that I was abusing him and he's in the support group for abused men. And, and I believed it again, that I was doing that. I, I thought I was the worst person there is because I was angry many times. I was, I must say, I was angry. I was depressed. I had a lot of anxiety and he was doing things that didn't make sense to me. Mm. There was a lot of gaslighting. There was a lot of that. Mm. At one point, we, when we were in our house, it was across the school and this big parking lot. And I was standing in the window and I was looking. And then the car pulls out from behind the school. And I can see it's our car. And it was him. And it drove literally from the school across the street to the parking, to our driveway. And he came home and I said, you just came from school, from the parking lot at school. Why, why were you there? And he said, I, I never came from there. It wasn't me. And I know I was watching, I was standing there and watching. And I thought I was crazy. Mm. <laughs> I didn't, that maybe I did imagine this, but no, I didn't. Yeah, but there was no point to fight with him because he he was lying all the time, and I didn't know what was true and what wasn't. And eventually, I found a therapist, and I went there, and I said, because he told me that I was abuser and I need therapy, so I went, and I was talking to the therapist and she said that she, she I, I told her the story and she didn't see the same way. It was this point that when he didn't come home, I literally opened his closet, took scissors and just shredded his shirts, his dress shirts. And he had nothing to wear to the office. And that really made him make him call me. <laughs> gave him pass to call me crazy all the time. Mm. So I told her about this and she said, yes, but what happened before that? And what happened before that? And what happened before that? And then I realized that's right. That's what happened. And after that, I went to see psychiatrist and she, she diagnosed me with depression. And I started to take medication, which I do to this day and it, wor it worked really well. So uh, when he left shortly after all those incidents, when he left and I was extremely upset, it felt like somebody died. I never had physical pain like that in my, in my body. It felt terrible, but I started to take medication and things became much clearer. It was better. It was getting better and, and I could put myself together. Mm. 
Wow. It does make me just want to cry actually, because, <laughs> oh my gosh, just being manipulated so badly that you believe that you're the manipulator. It's just so messed up, isn't it? And the narcissistic personality, it's, it is quite terrifying. And I think you can go your whole life and, and just not realize that you're being manipulated. Oh, it just makes me have trouble breathing because it's so suffocating. It's so suffocating. And I can just feel the energy of you and how hard that was. It's, it's so much. And you had a daughter with this man. How did, how did your daughter cope with living in this environment and then having her dad leave? She seen one she seen one disturbing scene once she witnessed one one of our fights and she was 10 or 11 and it was it was bad because what happened i couldn't sleep and my ex was sleeping on the couch and i was sleeping in the bedroom and his pants were on the hallway just lying down so i lift them up and the cell phone came fell out of his pants so i look and it was her cell phone that he gave her for her for her birthday previous year and i look at but she wasn't using that cell phone anymore she wasn't using that phone because she was still young Pretty much we got her that for a couple times that I, need, I needed to communicate with her. And she, he took over that phone and he was calling, that was his girlfriend's phone that he was using to call his girlfriend. And I went to the bedroom and I was, I opened and I see this one number being called all the time. So I dialed that number. And it was six in the morning. It was a weekday and the woman picks up on the other end and I don't say anything. And she says, I can't, I can't talk to you right now. And I hanged up and she hanged up and she thought it was my ex calling her. Obviously she, she had a husband and she couldn't talk. And I showed him that phone and he started to chase me around the house. And to take this phone, he literally grabbed my legs down the stairs and pulled me down the stairs to take the phone away and started to cancel everything and delete everything. And then he threw the phone and he said, there it is. And my daughter seen that and it really affected her a lot. And after that, when, when he left, he lied that he's going on vacation and he will come back. But obviously he never came back and he was very close with her. And she was up to all those years that were together until she was 10, he was, they were very close. Because I was working a lot. He, he was working here and there, but he always lost his job for some reason. Now I know why, but before I didn't, 
before I believed him that oh, it was this and this and that, but he was always jobless. So it was me who was going to work at the same time. And they were very close. And she, when he didn't come back, it was one year after, the, after she didn't see him for one year, she literally collapsed in my arms and she says, I miss him so much. I miss mm -hmm. his body. I miss him. And I, 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 felt, I felt really bad. And because what, what I understood, he was planning to come back and he thought we can, me and him can go and move on together. Mm. After a few months, he was sending me messages. I miss you. I'm thinking about you and all that stuff. But at, at this point, I didn't want anything like that. Mm. <laughs> so he never, ever came back and to see my daughter. And it's been 14 years now <gasps> since that. Oh, so she hasn't so, seen him in 14 years. No. And she... Mm. I didn't stop. I didn't. Uh, I was never stopping mm. the relationship. He just, he never paid any, any child support. He didn't. He was saying to our friends that I will never divorce him. I will never do anything. And he was planning to come back, but it didn't work out. And that was very, mm. <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened to me him yes. leaving that was yes. the best thing that he did for my whole life because I don't know if I would be able at that point but mm. that was the best thing that happened to me yes and you can be grateful for that because I think when when a person that's a narcissist like that wants to hold on to you it's very hard to get away so that was one blessing and, and it must have been very difficult for your daughter to deal with that. I mean, just having a parent disappear, it is incredibly yes. hard because it still is her father, right? I mean. Yes, she still feels, even myself, although I didn't see my father for 14 years, I, I still think about him mm. and I don't understand why. <laughs> so you don't, you haven't seen your your ex-partner for 14 years you haven't seen your yes. father for 14 years yes and now you're very low contact with your mum yes because all those years I thought it was my father who is the problem and he was the problem there's no doubt about it but she was also the problem now mm. I see it. I see this stuff. She, she, the way she talks, the way now I remember when she was, when I was still a child. So now it made sense to me more that, that she, she has a lot of problems and living in family like that then going into a marriage like this and having my daughter. My daughter, she, at the age of 19, she meets this guy and she wants to run away from home <laughs> and she goes to live with him and half of the time, I don't know where she is. 
and he's not a good guy. He is also abusive, but she, she comes and visits and I said to her, okay, I don't know where you're living. Do you have place to live? And she told me that they don't have permanent place. So just because I was concerned for her safety, we rented her apartment, small studio apartment. So I know where she is. And I said, you can live there, but the guy, he can't live there. She says, no, no, he's not going to live there. But then he moves in and she doesn't let us come for a visit. And I know things are not good. So I, I go one time, I get into the building, I knock to the door, the door and she doesn't expect me. Then the door opens, she sees me and she's trying to close. But I force the door and I get in and I see the guy there and, and he's smoking marijuana and, and nothing is good. But she already, before that, she called me and she said that she doesn't know how to, how to leave him, how to separate. She's already, obviously, she knows it's not good for her either. And she has a very hard time to kick him out because he is a little bit dangerous. And I didn't care anymore. I said, okay. She said, she said I, I want to come home now. And she came home to stay with us. And she didn't know about it, that, that me and my husband now, that we went there and... I just cleaned the apartment. I took all the garbage to the curb. I packed her stuff. I packed his stuff. I we dropped his things at police station so he can pick that up from there because he can't be in the apartment. He's not legal there. And I gave the key to landlord. And that was the end. And when, when my daughter found out, she says, now he's going to be so upset. She hated, she hated me for that for a long time. Until maybe <laughs> last few years when she started college and she's doing very well now. And she's got scholarship. She, she's, she's smart, but she never thought she was like that. So things worked out and I just wanted to end all that crazy cycle through all those generations. And I just wanted her to, to have better life. Although I protected her from things. When she, when she was small, really small, I talked to her about proper touch and and what people are not supposed to do. And I protected her from those things. Although for me, it was difficult to be a child and it was difficult to, to go through that. I think I, it's not that it taught me a lesson because it's not, not, not the right word for it. But I, I didn't want 
my bad experience not not i didn't want it to be wasted it sounds bad yeah no i totally hear you so so she can so i protected her different ways but some things i i didn't i still brought it but we talk a lot about it and we had conversations when she was telling me what bothered her when she was a child and i i just listen and and say i'm sorry that you had to go through that and i don't i don't hear this from my mom and i will never hear and i know that's going to be the case because she will never admit to anything yeah and there's so much power in that you know that just that apology i mean we all want to be the best parent we can be but we're living with so much trauma half of it we can't see we're not conscious of it and we're just doing our best we know we want better for our kids but we can only do what what we have the capacity to do at the time and so you know I can see that you have wanted to give your daughter better and obviously there were things that affected her but it's so good to hear that she's on a much better path now and the fact that she speaks to you about these times and that you have said you were sorry to have put her through some of those things it's it's the best that you could do and I think there's so much guilt for parents when we come from cycles of trauma but that's that's the best we can do (laughs) and and I think we should celebrate that because we are breaking cycles and and your daughter now has the opportunity to really break them even more with what she has been through and having your support and having your apology yes we're still working on a lot of things but Mm -hmm. she she can say anything she wants to me and I'm able to listen to it and take her take her feelings in into consideration because my mom when I say you know when when I was a child this and this happened no it didn't happen she never acknowledged anything that I went through and everything that I tell her it never happened I really never felt good about myself around my (laughs) mother. There was time I was in maybe grade five or something like that. And she was trying some pants on me. And I still remember the color of the pants and the texture. And she said to me, you fatten your legs. And then I look at all the pictures from my childhood and I don't see that I was anything like that. Mm. Yeah. It seems like even when we came to Canada, she was writing this letter to her sister back then in the 90s, but she was worried about me that I won't learn English. So I always felt worse that I can't learn something. And, and I know as a child, I just, I was so 
my life was so chaotic that I didn't think about school much. Mm. I studied, I did my homework. I wasn't, I was smart, but I had so much going on. And then all of a sudden, on top of all the problems, now I'm stupid. That's how I felt. Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of narcissistic or manipulative mothers will do. It's, it's running you down constantly to other people so that they have a view of you. And, and in that situation, you're just trying to survive, right? That's right. You're just trying to survive, I think, is, is what you're trying to say. There's so much going on. Another child might be concentrating on their studies. They might be switched right in. You're switched into survival. And that's what you needed to do in that in that situation. And that's what it was most of the time. Even with my mother, I tried to see if somewhere deep, if there's something, somebody else there. Mm. But there's nobody there. <laughs> mm. She's not there. It's not because it's hard to accept that your mother is like that, that she doesn't have empathy. There's nothing inside her. Mm. It's only about her always. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's very hard to to deal with that. You grew up in such a Christian faith with your dad as a priest. Do you still go to church? Is that still part of your life? I haven't been for a long time. I'm not religious at all. I don't think this will ever happen. I see religion inside out and I observe all the religions and I just don't see. I'm not saying there's no God. I'm just saying that I I don't care about any organized church because... Mm. (laughs) It's just people and sometimes it's people think, oh, if your father is a priest, your life probably is so great. Nothing happens to you. Mm. But I guess it's wrong because anything can happen. Absolutely, especially when you're living in so much dysfunction. Where are you up to now in finding a level of peace in your life? What what I enjoy now, actually, I love ha- having quiet house. It's strange because when people come over for one evening, Christmas time, and my husband's family comes and my family comes, and I like my siblings. I love my siblings, and it's chaotic. But I look at it and I think, oh, I lo- I like when it's quiet. I just always wanted to have peace and quiet and I think I have now Mm. because I accepted that my mom she's not going to be the way I want her to be and I know I will never satisfy her and I think I think just having having that knowledge now that your mother isn't going to change that you just need to keep that distance that's almost a level of peace in itself, isn't it? You don't have to try and do or be anything anymore. You can remove yourself from that situation, which is is huge in itself, I think. 
to actually get to a point where you do that because you've spent all of these years just being entrenched in that sort of chaos. Yes. And now I know this when she starts to manipulate me with her tears, it's not doing anything to me. It's just, I have no reaction to it. I I don't care Mm. because I know I can't have conversation with her. I know Mm. that doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's going to be about her. Yeah. It's like this strange thing we'll be talking about it and she starts something saying something totally not connected with what we're talking about and I can say to her and what does it have to do with it Mm. and then I notice she doesn't even know what she's saying yeah she's just scattered all over the place and now I can see and and she cries every time we talk like she tries so hard that technique on me still yeah and that's that's quite exhausting in itself I think it's it's exhausting Uh, even when she goes to my sister's house sometimes she will just sit on the couch and like like a small child she would put pillows she's pretty much building a bunker pillows like children do when they want to run away and she's sitting like this for hours and in general everyone stopped reacting to her and it it made worse (laughs) Mm. because she's doing she can go on for hours now she can go on whole day if she has to she she gets no reaction and eventually she stops that's like a child yeah, absolutely. So childlike. Well, Natalia, thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story. Everything you've shared is incredibly hard, but I do believe that connecting in with our own story and understanding how dysfunctional the people around us have actually been, it's such an important step. And you've really made that very clear with everything that you've shared today. Because it's only when we understand what's happened to us that it was not our fault, that there's no shame to be held by us and that we are unique and lovable and we have so much to offer in this life and then we can begin to heal. Thank you so much, Natalia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.